Good morning, everyone. I hope that you are ready to start our service this morning. Let's stand and sing. We're going to sing, I love to tell the story to start our service this morning. Really? Cool. There's there's a, a joke that apparently I'm not a part of that's really funny about this song that we're about to sing. So let's sing it and we can all laugh and have a good time. I love to tell the story. I love to tell the story of auntie things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, it will be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story, it is pleasant to repeat, what seems each time I tell it. More wonderfully sweet I love to tell the story For some have never heard The message of salvation From God's own holy word I love to tell the story Will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsty to hear it like the rest. And when it seems a glory, I sing a new, new song. Will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story. Will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story. Of Jesus and His love To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love Amen. Yay! Can you clap?
the sky is shining, but God, how much more beautiful it will be in here when you pour out your Shekinah glory upon your people. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you'll open the windows of heaven and may the faith expressed here today warrant you to pouring out, heaped up, overflowing your blessings upon every heart that's represented. God, if there is someone here today that has not surrendered their heart to you, I pray that you will speak to them in a special way. Either through a handshake, through a voice directly to their mind and their heart, however it may be, but may they hear you this day and choose life before it's too late. God, give us your grace this morning. This blesses from on high. And as many family is traveling today to, to go to this, these services, and as there's been the loss of the, the family member, I just pray your special anointing to be upon them. May you just bless the families involved. And, and God, I just thank you that you can not only be here in this church but while we worship and sing and praise you, but you can be in those cars that are traveling in those places where people are gathering, where there's mourning and as well. Dry those eyes to let, and let them know that you are there, God. Just hold them to your bosom and that your will be done both there and here. And God, we give you the glory for being able to do all that. Your omnipotence is beyond us. We praise you for it. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you that are here today. As you can see, we got our new monitors up and the wiring ran. And praise God. Amen. Words are a little clearer, but even more so, the videos will actually be able to be seen and such now. Praise God. So it was great what we had, but isn't it great that God just keeps stepping it up for us? Amen? Amen. So walk around a second, give somebody a hug, shake their hand, let them know it's great to be in God's house, and then God's going to keep stepping it up, and we'll just keep looking at it. Amen. God's got an army marching through the land, deliverance in their song and healing in their hand, everlasting joy and gladness in their heart, and in this army I've got a part. I'm in the Lord's army, and I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. God's got an army that's not afraid to fight. We're soldiers of the cross and children of the light with mighty weapons formed. Through the Holy Ghost, we're rising up from coast to coast. And I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. And I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. And I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. God's got an army destined for victory. Though the battle lingers on, Almighty God is He. Beneath the shield of faith, when His word becomes our sword, who can stand against our Lord? I'm in the Lord's army. 
And I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. And I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. And I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. And I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. If you're in the Lord's army this morning, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Just a few announcements this morning, uh, one of which, uh, me in prayer Tuesday, the ladies' Bible study are, is going to be taking a trip, and I'll be driving the the bus and everything there, so uh, pray for safe travels and that the ladies get there and back safely, and and now I have big enough earplugs, I'm, I'm not, just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, uh, just pray that we have a good day, a good day. The um, Hammerfest, if you was not able to be here yesterday, went very well. From what I understand, there was 450 bikes that started the race. I'm not sure how many actually came through here. Uh, I would guesstimate probably about 250 or so, judging by the three. We had two big rushes, but quite a few bikes. So I'm going to say probably around two and a half or so. So uh, uh, we had a, a good day yesterday. And guys, when we do things like that, I shared this in Sunday school this morning, but I want to share with you as well as pastor it does my heart good to see so many of us come out and have smiles on and sticking our hands out and shaking hands and interacting with so many people. I'm going to guesstimate around 250 people yesterday that don't normally come to this church. I don't know if any they go to any church, to be quite honest, but they were able to come on church property, see that there was people who not only smiled and shook their hands, but was willing and wanting to be a servant onto them and to, to let them know that they were cared for. That may be the only time these people ever stepped foot on church property. They saw that lightning did not hit them and that the people that were here were friendly. What, what, praise God. What a good thing to walk away from that church experience with. And who knows, maybe some of, some of them went to a church somewhere today. Amen? So uh, thank you for that. And that's just putting hands and feet to the power of God. Amen? The uh, other thing I want to point out, and this is a real biggie because I was told I should have started doing this a little while back and I did not realize it, uh, Fall Fest is coming up, and it's coming up quickly, and I have yet to start bringing out the buckets and asking you guys to be donating candy, and normally we would have started a month ago, I think I was told, so I, I, I missed it on that one, so I want to encourage you now, we're getting a month late start, no, we're not getting a late start, I just had faith in you guys that you were going to be able to double up and do it in, in a shorter amount of a period of time. So we need to start thinking about our candy buys and candy purchases. And, and again, as I say every year, I understand that God's Word does not need candy added to it. However, the candy that we can hand out, was not. it, it didn't just happen and God say, oops, I didn't mean for that to happen. God can use it to further His kingdom. And if, if we're going to get the families to bring their children in, this is one of the biggest outreaches this church has, to people who don't normally go to church or, or in areas that may not go to church, why not use everything at our disposal that God has given us 
to possibly win that battle that Satan's trying to keep those kids going to things he doesn't. Uh, Satan's trying to keep those kids going to things that are not of God. So why not use all the things that are hand, that's available to bring them into the house of God? Amen? So if God's laid it on your heart to buy any candies and donate candy and things of that nature, we need to start gathering that up. I'll make sure we have the bucket, the tub out here next week so that we can start doing that. You can bring it to the ladies' Bible study, men's Bible study, wherever it is, but let's start gathering up the candy and getting ready. Also in prayer, start praying now for all those young people that are going to be, and the adults and all, but praying for everyone who's going to be coming to Fall Fest, and let's just pray now for a good time. Amen? Okay. I think that's enough announcements. The only other thing I'm going to say is the, uh, the most anorexic one in this building back there has already got their hands up saying amen, so I hope you all emulate the ones in the back back there. <laughs> No, not die. Sit here and hold your hands up and praise the Lord. So much so that even when you look like a skeleton, you'll come back and do so. They were props from yesterday's thing. And uh, Yes, sir. <laughs> but yet, it was so good, they didn't even want to go home and be with the Lord yet. They said, no, let me stay right there. <laughs> let me stay a little bit longer, Lord. Just hold my hand. That's what they said. <laughs> Bob, come on down and save me, brother. <laughs> Amen. I like your Bible. Father God, I lift up my brother to you, and I thank you that this young man's willing to open the word and, and share with us what you lay on his heart. So God, may we hear not Bob, but you through Bob. And God, is all the work he put in this week, uh, hanging the TVs and such as well, Lord, I thank you for that as well. He, he, he has a job, he has so much going on, but yet he still donates and, and puts so much time to your ministry. So, Father, I just pray that you continue to honor his willingness to serve, and God, thank you for him. In Jesus' name, amen. going to be in a few places today, so if you want to turn with me, you can. If not, then you don't have to. We'll have them up for you, but we're going to be in 2 Corinthians, we're going to be in Luke, and we are going to be in 1 Thessalonians. So, um, a question came to mind this week of why it is that it's so easy for us, us to question God when we're going through rough situations. And as I was thinking back on things and looking back to when I worked with the youth a lot and a couple of times where after youth camp I led a family group and the family group at camp, I got in touch with a few of them on Facebook and a couple of times they came to me and asked me questions and they were just like, well, why am I going through this, you know? And the thought came to mind, the first thing I asked them is, when's the last time you've opened your Bible? When's the last time you prayed? So, Momo, if you want to put that picture up, somebody posted this on Facebook this week from this church, so y'all might have seen it, you might not have, but, uh, I thought it was very applicable for that. 
And it, I mean, it, it's your answer right there, honestly. So when we look at this picture and when we consider the question of why we're going through the things we go through when we go through rough times, four different things came to mind to me. So the first is Satan is distracting you from what God has in store for you. So whether it's something that God wants you to do or something he's preparing you to do, um, Satan is using little things to try to distract you and just to overwhelm you so you can't be used by God for what he has in mind for you. So you're distracted from God and you don't think about it. The second is God is testing you or preparing you for something he wants you to do. So the third is that it just happens to be something that's going on because of the consequences of your actions or somebody's actions around you. So there's a third reason why things are going on in your life. The fourth, and looking back at the picture again, the fourth reason kind of comes to mind, maybe God's just trying to get your attention. If you've been so distracted by things going on in your life that you're not paying attention to God, maybe he's using that to try to get your attention. Because after all, if you're questioning God, why am I going through this, you're paying attention to him. He can use that. He can use that a lot more than not paying attention to him at all. So those were the kind of four reasons why. But why we get so off track so easily. Um, If we look at 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, Therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. We'll go ahead to the next verse, which was Luke 9.23. And it says, Then Jesus said to them, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So if you notice in those two verses, I have the yellow words. And the yellow words are kind of important because day by day and every day, it shows that every day we have to make the time and take action in our walk with Christ. If we don't, then we're going to be turned aside easily. But we get so caught up in the day-to-day that we forget the more important part. So if you want to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5:14 through 21, um, again, you'll see the yellow words that I have highlighted. So uh, it says, And we, ex- we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are lazy, comfort the dis." Encouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks to give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Uh, So, you want to go back up to 20 real quick, Momo? One up? So, you'll notice that as we went through these verses, 
I had a lot of the definitive words highlighted. So why do I have this one highlighted? This one is definitive as well. It doesn't say every day. It doesn't say constantly. But the statement itself is saying that when the spirit moves, do not stifle it. Anytime the spirit moves, do not stifle it. So even more than worrying about a day-to-day -day action, we should be constant in our thoughts and prayers and we should be constant in our thoughts of God and our relationship with him. So if we're getting discouraged or we're getting turned aside, then I ask, what are we paying attention to? And are we constantly in prayer? Amen. Is your Bible looking ratted or is it looking okay? And which way is your life looking? Amen. If y'all want to pray with me, Lord, we come before you and we just ask you to draw our attention to you. We just ask you to be with us and and just guide us every day and every moment of every day, Lord. Just show us your will for us and just show us what you would have us to do. We'd ask you to be with us now and to guide the service in your word and in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. like you guys know what's going on. You guys know what's about to happen right now. That's good. We're getting there. Uh, sorry for running out there. I'm on call this weekend, so if my phone rings, I have to answer it. But that's okay, because Bob can take over for me if, uh, Anytime. if anything happens. It's the beauty of this pair up here. Anyway, we're going to sing Victory in Jesus. Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his glory, of his precious blood's atonement, when I repented of my sin and won the victory.
got your attention. <laughs> Wrong button. <laughs> Ooh. The. <laughs> What's that? Oh, thanks. <laughs> New song. could ever come close no thing can compare you're our living hope your presence Lord I've tasted and seen the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone
this day in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you guys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning is asked of me earlier in the week if I was going to be doing anything because this was the anniversary of 9/11. <clears throat> I was praying about it, but one of the things that did stick out to me, because this is that anniversary, there's a lot of things that's been on the radio, a lot of things have been on TV. I, I haven't watched anything on TV. I do listen to radio a lot because I'm in my car oftentimes. Um, and one, there's been a lot of things on the, on the radio speaking to, to how much God was made, how many people seemed to turn to God at that moment, at least for a little bit while. That, that there was a lot of people praying on steps, and there was this, and there was that, and 
because of that, there was a lot of specials that was geared that direction about the Twin Towers this week. Well, there was a, an hour-long program on NPR this week that was trying to seek out whether either one of the main presidential candidates practiced their faith. And there was a little evidence that, that Hillary claims to be a Methodist, and there was a little evidence that Trump claims to be a Presbyterian. But what saddens me more than that they could not find enough evidence to truly convict either one of them of their faith was all the phone calls that came in after the discussion, during the, the last part of the show, if you will. And people were calling in and, and saying how they were just going to wash their hands of the whole political process, that they were just going to, to not be involved, not be a part of what's going on in this country in one way or another. And I thought, how sad all the blood that's been spilled, not just in the Twin Towers, but men and women in uniform. I just finished reading a book, uh, uh, the, the, what it's like to go to war about this, this Marine in Vietnam. And, and, and there's just so many men that have lost their lives, and women as well, and so much that's gone into building this country, even all the way back to the, to the revolution when our founding fathers was putting this country together based upon the word of God. So much history, so much blood, so much integrity was built in this country, it horrifies me to think that we're just going to step back and allow it to go to, to whatever and say we're just going to wash our hands of this thing. And this, this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 22. And as you're turning there, I'd like to call your attention to this video that, that I've got the, the guys to show this morning. Uh, I, I would like you to watch this if you could. I don't have to turn the lights out with these, right? BJ's passion was to work in Washington, D.C. after college. She found a job and a way to serve at the White House in the Office of Faith-Based Initiatives. There are times when I feel so overwhelmed that I have to just go home and be like, okay, God, it is all in your hands, and I give it all to you. And I'm young. I don't have years and years of experience on how to handle incredible stress 24-7. So I do rely on my faith every single day in order just to get through the day. And it was very scary to look out the window and see smoke coming. Um, we didn't really know where the smoke was coming from. We just knew that there was smoke and there was a lot of it. There were national monuments being hit. It was logical that our building would be a target. And when we were told to run, I absolutely was afraid for my life. I knew the minute after September 11th that I wanted to get involved in the war on terrorism. And I was in a unique position in that I was right around the corner from the Office of Homeland Security. There is nothing coincidental about that. I mean, I absolutely know that, that God had everything planned from the beginning. And so I called everyone I knew in the office and said, I'd like to volunteer. I'd like to come into the office. I want to help. I've become a much more outspoken Christian in my workplace. And I'm not afraid to say, I have my job because God wants me here right now. And that's that. I mean, I want... No matter what I do for my faith to be in action, I don't think that just because I work in that office, oh, I have a way to put my faith in action. I mean, I don't feel that way. I feel that it, no matter where I go, it will be the same. Um, and, I, and I do, I strongly feel that no matter what you're doing, you have to reach out to other people for Christ. I feel like you have to know that when people know that you're a Christian, that they watch you. And I know that that's true in my office. I know that that's true in every aspect of my life. People know that I'm a Christian, and so they watch my behavior, they watch what I say, they watch how I handle things, they watch what I do, and I'm very careful with the decisions that I make because I know that people know that I'm a Christian. I 
wanted to share that video with you guys, that her story was to point out a very important fact in BJ's life. And that is that this, this Christian young lady is in our capital. She is working in our capital and is actively involved not only in the political system and doing what she can in that, but she's also actively involved in showing Christ throughout her actions. In that political arena, in that, in that setting, she is still allowing Christ to shine. And did you notice her words was, it wasn't by happenstance or coincidence that she feels as though that she was placed in that office. That it was God's design. Now, with all the stuff that's going on in our political system right now in this election year, I understand it would be easy to sit back and give up. It would be easy to sit back and wash our hands of things. However, I would submit to you that, that regardless of the, the spiritual condition of those who are running for president, regardless of what the spiritual condition may seem to be of our country, there are still godly people working and expressing their faith in Christ in those political arenas. There are still godly people there. It's not, you know, Elijah even said, God, take me home. There's no one left here that worships you. And God said, just right down at the bottom of the hill, there's still 5,000. Just because it may seem like there is that God's not involved in our political system does not mean that it's so. There are godly people, men and women today, holding office and men and women working for the others in those offices that have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is our responsibility to not only stay active, but to also pray for and support those whom God can use to uh, to have boots on the ground there to change the hearts of our leaders in this country. It is our responsibility to continue to lift up people like BJ and others. We should be not washing our hands and hiding. All we're doing then is leaving them out there on the battlefield by themselves. We are walking away from those who are fighting on Christ's side. And if we claim to be on Christ's side as well, then why in the world would we do that? We may get depressed a little bit about what's going on here and there. We can get depressed about what's going on overseas in, 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 in our war zones. Yet we would not stop, and, and I don't think there's anyone here in this building that would quit praying for our military men and women who are fighting that war over there because we get depressed about what's going on. We may not like the situations at times, but as long as there's boots on the ground, as long as there's people fighting that battle, regardless whether the arena is overseas or the arena is in Washington, as long as there's men and women willing to live out their faith and to give their testimony to Christ in the midst of our political system, then we as active parts of Christ's church and parts of this great country that he's put us in and as parts of those who want to remember and memorialize those things that happened at 9-11 should be actively getting involved and getting on our knees in prayer. We should continually lift them up in prayer no matter what. Now the question may be, well, how do I do that, Pastor? How, 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 can, I, how can I rectify, how can I fulfill my obligations to both God and to the state? Pastor, in, in this election cycle that's coming around right now, so many people called in to that radio program and just said, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do nothing. That Doing nothing gets you killed. You have to make a decision. You have to make a choice. And praise God, we have a commanding officer that sits in the heaven that knows everything. And we can go to him and say, God, what would you have me to do? And then do whatever it is God's called you to do. In Matthew 22 this morning, Starting in verse 15, Matthew twenty-two, fifteen, 15, it says, 
Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to trap him by what he said. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are truthful and teach truthfully the way of God. You defer to no one, for you don't show partiality. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But perceiving their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. So they brought him a denarius. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked them. Caesar's, they said to him. Then he said to them, Therefore, give back unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him, and they went away. That's, that's big words there, guys. First thing I would point out is, it, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling to me how wickedness tends to make strange bedfellows out of people. The Pharisees and the Herodians normally did not get along too well. The Pharisees denied the emperor to his right to demand tribute, even though it was common money and it was used for common purposes, they questioned the validity of the money because it had Caesar's image on the money and Caesar considered himself to be a god to be worshipped. So the Pharisees said, I don't know about using this money money here. Well, the Herodians, they just didn't like using the money at all. So they became collaborators together. They didn't like Christ. They didn't like the money. So they said, hey, we're having this discussion. We're having this talk. We're we're debating this here. We can't come to an agreement upon this. This is a great way to go and entrap Jesus. So they, they come together with this unprecedented alliance, and they said, we're going to go, and, and, and we're going to take both parties. We're going to come together, and we're going to go and entrap Jesus. Now, on a side note, let me mention, too, the flattery. Did you notice the flattery that was mentioned there? When they come to Jesus, they immediately start pouring it out there on him. Oh, you are God. You treat the godly. They were trying to set a trap and trying to butter him up and, and get in there. But let me say this this morning. Sometimes flattery is true. And what they happened to be saying this time was truth. And another point that they come to Jesus and, and say, good master. In Matthew 16, it says, there is none, uh, no one good. Jesus retorted that there is no one good but God. So God is that good one. And we need to think about too, that too. When we say good Lord, there's a little bit of gravity to that saying. We shouldn't just throw those words out there. It's not, it, it, we need to be careful that we're just not throwing out there some kind of flattery. There's some weight to this. But anyway, back to the disciples of the Pharisees. They go to Jesus and they start pouring out this flattery upon him. Oh, you're this and you're that. You are God. You teach truth. You are truth. You are, you are everything. And the Herodians, they're, they're, they're laying it out there too. But that is true. In John 11, it says that Jesus is truth. In John 14, it says that God teaches the way of truth. In Acts chapter 10, it says that he, is the, 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 he does not look upon the face of man. He is no respecter of people. All these things they were laying out there as flattery to butter him up, they were truisms. That is so true of God. He is God. He is truth. He teaches the way of truth. And he is no respecter of person, which means he doesn't decide one way for this person, one way for that person. This is truth. This is the way it's going to be. We should know that. We should acknowledge that. If we're going to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we admit that he is the one that we choose to put our life into, uh, our life into his hands, if we're going to choose to do that, then we must be saying that we believe and trust the fact 
that he is whom he says he is. So if he is truth and he teaches truth, then that's probably what we should get, where we should go to get our information. But what do we do? What do we commonly do? Look at verse 17 again. It says, tell us, therefore, what you think. That's the, remember the Herodians nor the Pharisees, neither one of them thought of Jesus as God. Neither one of them took literally what they had just said in flattery. Neither one of them really wanted him to be the Son of God. They were trying to entrap him. But yet, what did they do? They went to him and said, what do you think we should do? Unfortunately, today, I'm afraid that the church, that people of the church, those who are Christians, are doing the same thing oftentimes. They're going to people. For some people, their religion consists nothing more than of what other men's opinions are. We want to go around and ask other men, what do you think? Rather than basing their decisions on a living relationship with Jesus Christ, they'd rather turn on the radio and listen to the talking heads, turn on the news corporations on TV and listen to the arguing and all this mess and, and, and base and make their decisions by upon the opinions of other men. What do you think? Therefore, you will make up my mind as to what I think. But yet we know that God is truth and he teaches truth. Therefore, the thing that we should do first before ever touching the radio or TV or anything else, before any kind of decision that has been made, is go to the one who is truth. We listen to presidential debates, and, and rather than turn to God, we, we, we wait to listen to what the media says. We want to listen to what the media says, I have to do. I hear so many people this political season saying, you have to vote this way. You have to do this. You have to do that. I have to do absolutely nothing but my God tells me to do. Therefore, I go to God first. And when I go to Christ and I choose Christ and I listen and I open the word and I pray about it, God, what would you have me to do? We should not just continually be going like the Herodians and the Pharisees to someone whom we know to just be a man and say, what do you think I should do? What do you think would be, be utilized to, to, to make my decision more proper? We come up with our conclusions based on what people say rather than what God says. We ask others what they're going to do. How are you going to be involved? What are you thinking about? Then base our decisions on what they're doing. Guys, each one of us has been called by the Lord. And praise God for people like BJ, who didn't listen to people who said, well, you just need to get out and get away from that. She chooses to be an integral part and let her faith show. Sometimes letting your faith show may not be politically correct. It may not be good for either one of the two ruling parties in this country. They may not like the fact that you're going to choose faith over party. But folks, guess what? My Christ, my Lord, my Savior, Jesus, is the number one vote in my book. And because of that, I choose to go to him first. What do you say? If God teaches truth, if God teaches the way to truth, then why not go to him first? And right now we're talking about voting, but I'm going to say in any decision that we make, especially the more profound the decision, the more life-changing the decision, the more impressive the decision may be, the more time and the more times that we should be on our knees saying, God, what would you have me to do? Is it lawful to pay taxes onto Caesar or not? That's the question they asked him. And it was a question that was designed to wrap Jesus up. If he said no, then the media of the day, the Herodians, would denounce him to the Romans as a sedationist. They would have went right to the Romans and said, oh, look at what this guy over here is doing. He wants, you to, 
He's saying that we should not use this money, and he's causing issues and trouble, and the media of the day would have worked up this incredible story. If he said yes, then the opposing media, the Pharisees, if you will, would discredit him before the people as a collaborator. They would have said, look, he's siding with the Romans. He's siding with Caesar. And they would have blown up their big story. Now, here's the thing. The followers of Christ could listen to the Herodians in that argument. They could listen to, to the Pharisees in the argument. But instead, Jesus spoke, and they heard what Jesus said. And Jesus answered. He perceived that, it, that this was a, a, their wickedness. He perceived that this was a trap. He, he starts his, his conversation off, why? Why would you do this? He exposes their hypocrisy here. In fact, verse 18 He says there, but perceiving their malice, Jesus said, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Jesus knew he wasn't going to get caught up in the media. He wasn't going to get caught up in what this news agency or that news agency had to say. He wasn't going to get caught up in the the Caesar thing on on the coin. He said, why would you do this to me? So you want to answer? I'm going to answer. I'm going to give you an answer, and we're going to play show and tell just a little bit. And there's a little bit of irony that goes on here. He said, give me this, this, this coin. And, he, and the irony is in there flattering, I, I, I kind of think. They said, Jesus, if you remember the way they say, you do not regard the face of man. But yet, what are they wanting him to do? Look at the coin and look at this face of man. Jesus says, whose image is on this coin? Now, they just said, Jesus, you don't, you, are not, you don't look at the face of man. You don't make, make decisions of this. So they already answered their own question. But Jesus rubs it in a little bit. Whose image is on this? Whose subscription is on this? And they reply, Caesar's. That's Caesar on there. Then render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And that render means to give back to or, or what is due by obligation. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. If, that, if he wants his money, give him his money. You know, Tertullian, he summarizes it like this. He said, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. What is Caesar's image on? Money. What is God's image on? Man. Man is made into the image of of God. In other words, that coin meant nothing to Jesus. I'm not going to get caught up in those trivial little arguments you were having. He's saying, give Caesar what is Caesar's, but give yourself to me. Let the coins, the materialism, let everything else that the world says you have to have Rendered back unto the ones who created it. Give your heart, your soul, your mind back unto me. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God. Folks, if we're going to claim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we don't need to get caught up in the arguments and the belittling that comes along with those arguments. We need to stop and get on our knees and render unto God what is God's, which means that if you're really going to call him Lord, then I don't have to do what this political elite or that political elite says. I can get on my knees and say, God, what would you have me to do? And I can go to sleep at night knowing that the one who created all and will be here after all this is gone says, well done, now, good and faithful servant. It's not about, if we want to memorialize 9-11, we want to memorialize our, 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 our 4th of July, our founding fathers, this great country in which we live in, then we need to quit worshiping the things of this country and worship the one this country was built upon, which is Jesus Christ. We need to get back to putting our decision-making not in the media, but in Jesus Christ. We need to get back on our knees. Sometimes I wish we, we didn't have all the, the, don't get me wrong, TV, media, and all that stuff. That It's great to have this, 
this wealth of information made known to everybody at the spur of a moment. But if we would get back to a position where we put Jesus Christ first and got down on our knees and made this our primary source of, of, of intelligence, made this our primary source of decision-making capabilities, if we got back to asking the Lord first before we bought that new car, that new boat, that before we made that decision how to vote here, before we sought the divorce, before we sought to get married in the first place, before this child went here or that child went there, if we would get back down on our knees and make decisions based on the ones, what God says rather than what the lawyers on TV say, this world would change. As Christians, if we would quit doing what man tells us we have to do and choose to do what God says we should do, then we could realize that all the powers around us are not there unless they were ordained by God. Guys, there's not a person in power in this country that got there without God's allowing it to happen. Therefore, when we get those ones in power that we say, wow, they're not very godly. What's up with this? You know why that is? Because we get what we deserve. And when we make choices and decisions that's not based upon the Word of God, so be the consequences. And you may say, but I didn't. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. Praise God. You know what the Bible says? There is blessings in heaven for those who are persecuted for doing rightly upon this earth. Look at it as I did what I had to do. The one who is Lord over my life knows it. I can go to sleep at night in the midst of all the nasty. Because I know with whom I believe it. That book I just finished, now I hate to bring in war and such but, but this Marine, he said, the reason why he's able to sleep at night because he knows there's one greater than man who judges the hearts of men. Amen. He knows that he can sleep at night because he did what he was supposed to do. He, stands, he will one day stand in the presence of his heavenly Father. Folks, the Master's masterful answer in this story here left both sides bewildered. They knew they couldn't get him at this. He pointed it out very clearly. You hypocrites. Why should I get involved with that little bit of that money? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and you give me your heart. Render unto God what is God. You can hold a whole handful of money out here. I don't care about that money. I care about you. I care about your heart. I care about your relationship. Folks, we ourselves today, we can say, well, that story happened a long time ago, and it It was just about money. We need to stop today and be just as wary ourselves about putting the Lord to to test on these civil issues by doing what the media tells us to do rather than by what God tells us to do. Because I could hear him saying, oh, you hypocrites. You care more about the money than rendering unto God what is God's. If Christians would quit worrying about their boats and their cars and their houses and their money, and don't get me wrong, I understand that's a... It is a worry that overcomes us. I, myself, sometimes I, I get in the mindset how we're going to pay our bills, how we're going to do this. And I'll start to get in this, in this depression, and I have to stop and remember, you know what? My life's not about money. My life's about serving the Lord and being what God's called me to be today. Jesus' persecutors here, they marvel at his, at his words. And like the devil before them, they retreated, ashamed. They didn't have any answer to what he said there. They realized that they had set a trap to catch the Lord, but the Lord really caught them and showed their hypocrisy. Why do you come to me with these civil ideas of 
of this or that when I've told you straightforwardly what you should do. Folks, we need to go to Christ. It's not the media, this or the other. Not this one's biased this way or that one biased that way. This reporter, that reporter. This political talking elite or that political talking elite. It's getting on our knees and saying, God, what would you have me to do? This election process in this great country in which you founded, this great country in which you've blessed so immensely, this great country where you've given freedom to open your word and study your word and, and just preach your gospel like in no other country can. What would you have me to do for your country, Lord? Oftentimes we'll do what others tell us to do, regardless of, of how smart they are. Or maybe it's the other way. We'll do it because look how smart they are. Look at all the degrees they have. But folks, let me tell you this morning. No matter how smart a man may claim to be, no matter how well reasoned out his argument may be, I, know, I don't know how many deep theologians we have in here. I like to study Aquinas and, and, and other of what's called church fathers. But Aquinas, St. Aquinas, if you don't know, he was the one that was considered to, to be so intelligent, and he brought reason into religion. And he was able to make religious, religious statements and back them up with reason, arguments, philosophy in, in religion, if you will. And it sounds wonderful, and it sounds profound. And he is an incredibly intelligent man and profound man. And there's people who will spend their entire life studying the writings of, of Thomas Aquinas. But you know what I have found? Most, because you just can't capture God in a philosophy, eventually even his arguments break down. Even though he meant them for good intention, he gets into a bit of a circular reasoning because you get to the point there's things that God knows that no man does. So as intelligent as he was, as well-meaning as he was, I still would rather choose to go to Christ than Thomas Aquinas. A, a man who really wanted to further the word of God and was trying to do so with an incredible intellect. But you know what? He's not God. No matter how smart somebody may say they are, no matter how reasoned out their argument may be, and, and no matter how much we may respect them even, they cannot take the place of God. We need to get on our knees and say, Father, what would you have me to do? And here's the other part, and Stormy points this out in Sunday school class quite often. It's not just praying to the Lord about this question, but then we've got to stop and wait for the answer. We need to listen. God, what would you have me to do? Okay, turn on CNN and do what they say? Turn on Fox and do what they say? No, God, what would you have me to do? And stop and listen for the answer. God, where would you have me to go in this election cycle? Who would you have me to vote for? What would you have me to vote for? How would you have me to make a stand for Christ? How would you want me to stand on your word? Because when we don't, when we choose to follow those who seem intelligent, when we follow the media and we do what everybody else is doing, you know what's going to happen? Usually when we make decisions based upon what everybody else says or what this guy says or that guy says, and we didn't go to the Lord, you know what ends up happening? Later on, we retreat from that decision ashamed and confused. Why did I buy that car? I couldn't afford that car. It sort of looked pretty, and that salesman sure made it sound great. Why did I vote for that person? Oh, I thought he was everything in a bag of chips. But in reality, I knew that it wasn't. 
Why did I do this? Why did I leave this job? Why did I, I break this, up this relationship? Whatever that decision may be, you know what happens later if we stop and, and, and realize when things aren't where we want to be? I didn't pray about that. Those decisions we don't pray about are the ones that come back and bring the shame along with them. And we stop and say, wow. The question is, can you go to sleep at night knowing that you prayed and did to the best of your ability what it is that God would have you to do? That's the, that's the, the truism I would throw out there about this voting season. Pray, 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 so that after you leave that voting booth, you can go home at night and lay your head down and know that I have done to the best of my ability what I feel as though God has called me to do in that voting booth. Not what everybody else told me to do. What you said do, God. Lord, I didn't put my priorities out front. I put yours. How much more peaceful you'll sleep that night than all the talking heads that's going to be on TV all night of November 6th. You'll be able to go to sleep regardless of the outcome. You know why? Because you did what God told you to do. Now, you can't do that. You can't answer affirmatively that I did everything God would have me to do unless you know Jesus Christ. You can't hear what he has to say if you don't even have a way of communicating with him. We need to stop and this morning assess that first of all in our lives. The very first thing we need to do is establish communication with the one who knows us, knows our heart, knows that he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, but you're a man. Render unto me what is mine. Render unto God what is God's. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then it doesn't matter what anything else is. Because it's all going to go away one day, and unfortunately, all those who do not know the Lord are going to be thrown in that place where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Am I trying to scare people? No. God said he desires that none should perish, no, not one. And that whomsoever would believe in their heart and profess with their mouth that he is Lord and that he rose again on the third day, so shall they be saved. God does not want that to happen. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just laying out the facts. The choice is yours this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I don't care how old you are, how long you've been in church, Going to church does not save you guys, in case you didn't know that. Me putting you under the water up here does not save you. It's you truly accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now once you've done that, and if you're here and you've already done that, the next question would be, are you willing to put the faith of this country in the hands of God and do what he tells you to do? Or are you going to continue to run along the same lines of the Pharisees and Herodians and just ask everybody else what they're going to do to make up your mind? Be that one that's singled out. You might be the one that God's sending around the hill to take that hill. You might be the one that God's singling out like BJ to sit in that office to let God shine in the midst of the dark, dark room. But if you're the one that's so, that God's so calling to do it, how much better will it be to stand before him one day? And you may say, God, I did everything I could, and it still went to went 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 H E double L in the handbasket. You know, and God's gonna say, Yeah, but 
well done, thou good and faithful servant, because you did what I told you to. The others will answer for their decisions. I'd much rather hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, than, what were you thinking, Frank? I told you, and I told you, and I told you. And you still went with the way everybody else did. Where are you at this morning? Whatever the decision may be in your life. Here we're talking about voting. But I'm saying lay this decision, every decision that's out there in your life. Whatever it is, are you choosing to seek God first? And when I say that, I don't mean just throw up a haphazard prayer. I'm saying, are you truly taking your time, pinpointing your target, laying it before the Lord, and then waiting for an answer? God, what would you have to say to me? And are you waiting? We're a very impatient lot. But patience is a virtue. Are you willing to stop and let God speak to you? That's the question I would ask you this morning. Anybody can just run out and punch a card. Anybody can just run out and make a quick decision. The disciplined man is the one who waits and thinks and waits upon the Lord. Who are you this morning? We have the capability of leaving changed out of here this morning. I hope I do have the faith of this young lady in that video to be able to stand my ground in the midst of everyone around me, possibly not. And if I can touch one individual, you know, I was asked my opinion on something this past week, and I, I wrote out a, it wasn't just something I could blurt out there. I had to write it out. I had to make a, you know, I wanted to make sure my, what I was saying was presented correctly. And it was awesome, because when I sent that off, they emailed back and said, you know, I couldn't have said it better myself. If that's truly the way you feel, if I had just one small part in making you think that way, then my life has been used by God the way it's supposed to be used. Hallelujah. That made me feel good for them to say that. And I would repeat that back. If I can stand before the Lord one day and know that I just had one little part in somebody in this world being and making a choice and a decision the way God would have them to make it, then my life was all the way it was supposed to be. How about you? Are you willing to be? You may only touch one person. God may only have you touch that one person in your whole life, but you know what? Let's say you live 80, 100 year, 180 years old. I heard on the radio there's some guy in the Philippines, Indonesia, 145 years old. Let's say you was able to live that long. You know what? If you just touched one life for the Lord, you did your part. If that's all God had designed for you and you did it, praise God. Where are you this morning? What decisions do you have to make? Will you commit yourself this day to choose to go to the Lord in prayer first? And then do what he's... And, oh, that's the other thing. When he answers, doing what he says to do. Rather than argue, but nobody else is doing that, Lord. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. That, that's just one of the things that just irked me when my kids would say, everybody else is doing it. Oh, wrong words to say in my house. If everybody else is doing it, good chance now that you shouldn't be. Think, think. The easy way is usually not the right way. 
Are you willing to do what God's called you to do this morning? Again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's first and foremost. You've got to get that relationship with him. How in the world can you do what he's telling you to do if you don't know what he's telling you to do? You're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. I would submit to you that he stands at the door and knocks. And if you will just uh, open up and allow him in, he will move in your heart. But that's a decision that you have to make. This altar will be open. I'll pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. I don't have to lead you to the Lord. He already is there. But it is good if you do accept him to stand up and say, you know what, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. As he says, he who professes me before men, so shall I profess before my Father. And you know what? If you're really proud of believing in him, why wouldn't you profess it? We'll talk about we got to go to a ball game. What is that compared to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ? Where are you this morning? Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. If God is speaking to you this day, will you listen? We really want to honor and commemorate those th- deaths of 9-11. It's going to be real hard to honor and commemorate from a country that no longer exists. And if we continue to do what people say rather than God, who's to say that this country can continue to stand? Now, I don't mean to be a doom and gloom conspiracist. But you know what? It can only take so much. Somebody has to stand and fight, and maybe you. Choose to do what the Lord's called you to do. Let him give you the courage. For if God be for you, who can be against you? Remember that in the battle at hand this week. Father God, we come before you this morning, and I thank you that you gave us such a clear understanding that we are to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. We are to give back to the world what is the world's but we'll render unto God what is God's, and that is our spirit and our heart. Father, may we truly take that to to task. May we render back unto you what you've called us to do. May your will be done in the hearts of your people this day, and may we make our choices, our decisions, everything that we are, not based upon what we think as much as what we know in you. May your will be done in the hearts of your people, Father. And God, we give you all praise, honor, and glory as we step out and not run from the fight that's put before us in this country, not hide from it, but we'll choose to go out and take an active part to be your hands and feet. May your will be done, Lord, as we listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, this altar will be open. You can come to this altar and pray. I'll pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. Maybe there's a decision in your life right now that you're realizing, I did it and I didn't ask the Lord's direction in it and it's been costing me ever since. And you have to stop right now and say, Father, forgive me. The great thing about serving our Lord is he is a God of forgiveness. And you can go to him and say, God, I was an idiot. I so messed up. Will you please forgive me? Will you please shine your grace down upon me, your mercy upon me? And from this point forward, show me what it is I need to do. And you know what? Sometimes it's going to take some hard things cleaning up the mess that you made. But if you'll make those decisions, the the outcome is so much greater. Where are you this morning? As we sing today, guys, Chris is on call and has to be outside, but 
Bob, you got it, I hope? Bob, got it.